We really believe that physical well-being, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial well-being in relationships are all as important as each other and that they all really come together to enable someone to live a really well life. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. Over the last few years, a deep cultural shift has recentered wellness in our lives, encouraging all of us to further prioritize our personal well-being and happiness. More than ever, we're reminded to slow down and incorporate healthy self-care practices into our everyday. One such brand has been at the forefront of these trends, predicting everything from the rise of CBD products to the recent oat milk craze. That brand is well and good one of the internet's top destinations for all things wellness. Each year, they release a report forecasting the biggest wellness trends to expect in the year ahead. So here to talk about that report and break it all down for us is Kate Spees, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Well and Good. In our conversation, we'll get her top 2022 predictions, plus learn how to decipher which wellness trends are actually worth the hype. Hey, Kate, thanks for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Britt. I would call me like a pseudo wellness junkie. Like I think I follow the trends, but I think there's probably a lot of trends I'm not totally seeing yet. And I feel like me and my girlfriends all the time are just constantly talking about the new it thing for self-care, for nutrition, the new flavor of blah, blah, blah milk. (laughs) There's like a 20 different types of milks now. So I'm really excited to talk to you to figure out how much I actually know about maybe what's going to be happening next year and in the future. But before we get started, I want to just like define the word wellness. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. So how would you define or describe that word? Such a good question because it definitely does mean many, many different things depending on who you ask. And I think that wellness gets thrown around a lot and really there's some wellness washing going on in the world. But the way that we define wellness or well-being at Well and Good is really the practices, the mindset, the actions and the products that center one's health and well-being in all different facets of their life. So we really believe that physical well-being, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial well-being in relationships are all as important as each other and that they all really come together to enable someone to live a really well life. So the reason that it's hard to define wellness is it should look different for everyone because it really should be very individual. And we believe that it is a combo of things you can buy and also lots of free things that you can do within your own life. I love that. And obviously, you know, with the world being pretty unhealthy right now, (laughs) mentally and physically, I think it's very necessary and needed. But it hasn't just been a trend like since the pandemic. I feel like this became a trend 
a few years before, but certainly I don't think it was a trend back when like I was growing up. Like we weren't constantly talking about self-care and wellness and like taking time for ourselves. So what do you think sparked the wellness craze in general and when did it begin? Such a great question. I think that it really depends whereabouts in the world you grew up. Because to your point, certainly when I was growing up, people weren't talking about self-care. People weren't talking about oat milks necessarily. Maybe there was soy milk then, but definitely not to your point, 40 different milks that I could try. However, in Australia, the idea of getting out in nature is something that has always been part of our culture. Physical activity has always been part of our culture. In lots of Asian cultures, you know, in Japan, forest bathing has been a thing for a really long time. Community is a huge part of lots of different cultures. So I think really what has happened over the last couple of decades is that as Americans, America as a culture has been given the words to put against some of these practices that people have always done. And also there has been a destigmatization of all of the different things that contribute to one's health. So mental health is much more at the forefront of conversation now, as is taking time to manage stress, as is taking time to foster community. So I think that Really, as technology has become increasingly present in all of our lives, as we have lost a sense of community in many ways, even though the world is more global now, hyper-local connection has been lost in some ways. And really, as we've seen that the healthcare system, particularly in the US, is letting people down, this need for a more active pursuit of health and for proactive tools and practices that are going to help us be healthier for longer has really come to the fore. And I think that's why we have seen wellness and well-being embraced in, in such a huge way. And to your point, even more so since the pandemic took hold and people really are now thinking about their physical health so much more as well. Yeah. And what would you say like a healthy wellness routine looks like? This might be like an abstract question, but is it a certain amount of time per day or week? And are there core things we definitely should do every day to make sure we're getting in a little bit of that self-care? How much time is enough? I'm like a working mom (laughs) and I feel like all working moms and dads can feel me on this, which is just like, when? When do I do any of this stuff? (laughs) I have no idea. I think for me, it's like, I try to either do it super early in the morning or it's super late at night, but then I'm tired at both (laughs) legs of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. An issue that I have with, I guess, the capital W wellness industry The way that wellness has been corporatized and capitalized, I guess, is this idea that you have to do it perfectly or it has to be this set amount of time or you have to spend X amount of money to be able to achieve good wellness. And that really sucks because for so many people, that's not achievable. And so my personal POV on this is that each individual's wellness routine or wellness practices should be things that feel good in their life. They should be things that feel manageable and there just shouldn't be this sense of 
you are underachieving if you haven't done a checklist of well-being practices because someone like you who is a busy working mom, is an entrepreneur, is also living through a pandemic, it's just not realistic to say to you, hey, you should do yoga for an hour every day plus cook your meal fresh plus also meditate for 20 minutes. That's just not going to be achievable for everyone every day. And so I think it needs to be really personalized. Some of the things that I hear from experts over and over and over and over again as the core cornerstones of good health and good well-being is prioritizing sleep whenever you can. Really tricky for working parents, but whenever you can, prioritizing sleep. Drinking a ton of water, it's so eye-roll, but it really is one of those things that comes up over and over again. Eating foods that nourish you, so really not following restrictive diets, not trying to force yourself to be keto or paleo or Whole30 if that isn't what feels like it's feeding your body. And stress management is huge. Every expert across the gamut talks about stress management, and that could be going for a 10-minute walk, listening to music you love, or kind of traditional meditation. And then the last piece, which I think is so important, and I think that we've all been reminded of the importance of this over the pandemic, is really maintaining healthy, strong connections with the people that are important to you and within your community. I think we've all seen how much our mental health suffered when we were separated from our community and those that we love. And that piece is huge for your well-being as well. Yeah, I think I'm pretty good at like eating good foods. I'm decent at sleep because I know specifically from this podcast, we've talked to a lot of sleep experts, like that is first and foremost, the best thing you can do for your health. But I think the things that you listed that I'm the worst about are drinking water. I really suck at drinking water. I don't know why. I just don't get thirsty. I mean, it's boring. And then you have to pee all the time. I recently read a study that said, you hear the old phrase, everyone needs eight cups of water a day. They've sort of disproven that. Maybe you guys know about this at Well and Good. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone needs like a different amount. It's not like exactly your weight divided by two divided by eight ounces in cups. I think I'm one of the people that need less. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I need more water than I currently take in, but I don't know that I need like half my weight in ounces in water. No, drink when you're thirsty. Am I full of crap? No, I think that's very legit. In the same way as people need different amounts of sleep or different amounts of movement, I think I read the same study and it makes a ton of logical sense to me because your body will tell you if it needs something. I do believe that. You know, I think that we all can listen to our bodies a bit more. And if you're not thirsty, then you're not thirsty. You know what's so funny? Right before we were recording this podcast today, I have like 20 plants in my office because we recently did a plant episode. Yes. <laughs> and every plant needs a different amount of water, which was one of the breakthrough exactly. things I learned on that episode. By the way, if you guys haven't listened, you totally should. It's with Hilton Carter, the plant whisperer. Yes. And some plants need to be watered every two weeks. And then I have this fern that like needs to be watered every day. Like it's super thirsty. And so if like plants are the sort of origin species, I bet humans are like plants and I'm like a two-week plant. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. The thing that I excel at is drinking water. I've always been a big wow. water drinker and I get really, really thirsty. But I also do have a theory that is completely not proven by science. So please, everyone take this with a grain of salt, that the more you drink water, the more you want to drink water. Like I think it's one of those things oh. you can train your body into. 
but I'm literally making that up. That is not yeah. facts. But that's just yeah, my Yeah, it's theory. a hypothesis. It's a yeah, hypothesis. You can have an, it's an informed <laughs> hypothesis. And then the other thing I'm not great at, but I'm trying to get better at post-COVID is like these close relationships. And I think this is, again, another area where specifically like entrepreneurs, working moms, and everyone that went through the pandemic really fails <laughs> because... Again, it's like, okay, I work and then I have my kids and then I need to hang out with my husband. And then it's like, oh, I forgot about my own self-care and then I'm in bed, you know? And it's like, when do you trade off these different things for your girlfriends or family or all of that? So that's definitely one of the things I'm trying to get better at for 2022. It's resolution. Okay. So speaking of which, you guys have these trend reports. You're doing all these forecasts. How do you forecast what these trends are? Where do you get the data? Are you like looking across the internet? Are you looking on Instagram? Like, what are you guys doing talking to experts? I don't know. Tell me about the strategy here. I love that you asked that question because lots of people do not ask that question. And I love to talk about it because the team puts in so much work. Really, the work for our trends report starts in June. We do a lot of outreach with people that we think are doing cool things in the space, talking to big retailers and merchants like the Sephora's and Ulta's for beauty and the Target's and Walmart's for everything else and really understanding what they are looking to bring into stores for the year ahead. We talk to a lot of trend forecasting companies. We talk to a lot of VC companies as well. We're always very much led by Where are different VC companies investing? What are they thinking is interesting? And then also doing kind of social monitoring, like you mentioned. So doing our due diligence to really look at, okay, what are people talking about on Instagram and TikTok? And then the hardest thing about trend forecasting is it's really easy to see with the level of intel that my team have, it's easy for them to see what is going on now, but really threading the needle through to how is what is going on now going to develop over the next 12 months, that's a real skill. And so that's where really founders and VCs are incredibly important. And then just looking at projections of market size for different verticals as well. So, so much work goes into it. And then eventually at the start of December, we have our final list. I love that. It's so interesting too, because I've expanded my role to also be a venture capitalist and health and wellness are one of the many areas that we're investing in. And so you're right. I feel like part of my job, sure, I get to like find really cool companies to invest in and great founders and there's an art to that, but I get to be like a trend forecaster of my own. And, you know, we aren't sort of doing it as expansively as you are, but I think because I help run Britain Co. and we have all similar like sales team and things like that. I I have an interesting pulse on what's going on. So I would love to be part of your forecasting community. But I'm curious of what I'm seeing matches what you're seeing. So maybe we could dive into it. This year though, you had predicted a move towards telehealth, community care, diversified companies, and staying at home vibes. That's for 2021, this year that we were just ending. Yes. I think that was pretty spot on. Was there any trend you saw pop up this year that was not on your list or that surprised you? I think that we feel pretty good about what we called for the year. There are a couple of food trends that weren't as on our radar as I would have liked. I think that 
there has really been this year. We touched upon this pushback against restrictive dieting, but even more than we thought, people have actively in the food space pushed against any form of diet plans that feel very restrictive to them. I think so many people just want to eat what they want to eat and they want to be healthy and they want to eat whole foods, but they don't necessarily want to be told that it has to fit in this little small box. Also, sustainability, it's weird to call sustainability a trend. It's more of a horizontal trend that filters through everything, but the gains that we've seen in sustainability in almost all verticals this year were unprecedented thank goodness, because there is a whole problem that as a globe we need to address and help fix. But definitely in all verticals, sustainability really is driving so many trends and that will continue through 22 as well. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about wellness trends for 2022. What are some of the most popular self-care trends you're predicting? So a huge thing that we are seeing in self-care right now, and this is very much born of the pandemic, and it's something that we're starting to see now, but I think is going to get even expansive in 2022, is employers finally regarding mental health as really serious business. So Pre-pandemic, people were vaguely talking about mental health services that you could get through your employer. But what we've seen is that employees can no longer ignore burnout and companies like BetterUp, which launched in the last couple of years, has seen their customer base grow by double digits. They've raised hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. And nearly every employer that we spoke to from the giants like 
the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Pelotons through to smaller companies are really thinking about how they can center their employees' mental health because we've seen a lot of chat about the great resignation that's happening right now. And I think the antidote to that will be people really trying to retain their great employees by offering better mental health services as part of their benefits. Yeah, totally. And everyone wants their benefits to change too, right? Like I think gone are the days where it's you get a great desk and a healthcare package. Like at modern companies, at least what I'm seeing here in Silicon Valley is like people want Postmates credits for delivery on demand and childcare credits for babysitting and fitness passes, even if that means like virtual fitness because everyone's working from home or hybrid. I don't think many people are full-time back in the office unless they have to be. It's like changing the benefit structure. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And really to your point, changing what's prioritized in benefits. And another interesting trend that we're seeing that kind of ties into that is that this idea of value-based healthcare which we see with the likes of One Medical is just going to explode exponentially over 2022. One Medical has been on the scene for a while, but they are reporting a huge uplift in membership and they're now have plans to expand in many more states next year. And we're also seeing new players in this space and employees are also paying attention to that. So it's these kind of services that are also being offered in benefits packages. But this idea of value-based healthcare really taking hold and hopefully pushing aside some of the old traditional models for healthcare is something that we're really excited about because really that kind of healthcare is meant to reach as many people as possible, be really accessible through a hybrid model of telemedicine and IRL, but also really serve communities that haven't had access to really expensive healthcare in the past. Yeah. And same with fertility, by the way. I actually just invested in a company called Kind Body, which is a women's fertility and OBGYN practice. The clinics themselves are so cute. They're like, yellow and pink and like fun and like girly and like all female nurses. And it's not a sterile white hospital. And I did an egg freezing retrieval thing because I'm 35 and (laughs) it was amazing and easy. And like everything was there. I didn't have to like go get my lab test done somewhere and something else done somewhere else. And now, and their whole business model is around the fact that like employers are starting to offer fertility treatments for a lot of their workers. And I'm bummed that it's not as widespread as I think it should be. Like every woman should be able to freeze her eggs if she wants, I think. I agree. Or get like IVF treatment covered, but it is expensive right now. I'm hopeful though. Do you see fertility anywhere and kind of the wellness trends? Yes. It's funny you say that because that was one of our big trends for 2021. I am oh, cool. such a huge fan of Kind Body. I am also a Kind Body patient. And I think that what they're doing is incredible and transformative. And I co-sign everything you said. I'm 34, nearly 35, also thinking about egg freezing and would only do it with them because I think they're so great. But we really are seeing people like Kind Body continuing to make this space more accessible because to your point, it needs to be covered by employers. I really believe that. And then I think that will take a little minute. And so making IVF more 
price friendly, having sliding scale payments is definitely something that's being explored. And I think that it's so important. And we've really seen that trend kind of come to fruition this year. And I think that will continue into next year. But something new in this space that we're calling for next year is something that, again, is percolating now, but will explode next year. A million people will soon be experiencing menopause and we're finally hearing more about it. We're finally seeing companies that are launching to help provide women with the tools and the products they need to support themselves through menopause. It's so wild that half of the population goes through menopause. It's been really stigmatized. And I think that now that Gen Xs that are such a trailblazing generation are reaching perimenopause and menopause, they're like, what? You mean that there are no doctors who particularly specialize in menopause and there are all these symptoms and there's nothing to help us. That's not okay. And so incredible people are launching companies to really change that. And I think it's such a positive thing because like fertility, like everything really related to women's health, it's been on the back burner and incredible women and female entrepreneurs are coming in and saying, no, that's not cool. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a few of those pitches for sure. And I'm so excited about it. I'm not going through menopause, but I started like diligencing these companies as I was looking at investing in them. And I was asking like my mom and a bunch of my older female friends and they were like, it's actually the worst. Here are all the things that suck. It goes on for like years yeah, and like no one's helping us and there's products and there's telehealth and there's all kinds. And so I'm so excited that that's a trend as well. Okay. So that's sort of health. What about food? I feel like that's such a huge category of wellness. Are there any like superfood ingredients? Will we be dining out more since we've been inside this year? What can you tell me about food? Yes. So I always love food because I think that food trends are really tangible and they're often the things that reach consumers and impact consumers most obviously and most quickly. And so on the superfood question, something that we are so interested in is sea greens. So we are just seeing kelp in everything. So algae, wakami, kombu, nori, Irish moss, these are all types of sea greens that are being used not only as ingredients that we eat, but as fertilizers to make production of other ingredients more sustainable. And it's just incredible because these are incredibly nutrient-dense ingredients, very sustainable. And these ingredients are being used in packaging. Like I cannot understate how much everyone is going to weirdly have kelp on their radar over the next year. In previous years, we have seen cauliflower take over the food space. Of course, we've seen oat milk. We've seen matcha become incredibly popular. And so sea greens or kelp doesn't necessarily feel as tangible as those ingredients, but it really is being used everywhere. Wow. Like what's an example of where kelp, and is it going to be like a smoothie I drink or like a granola bar? Like what is going to have kelp in it? Honestly, all of the above. So Nestle is launching a line of vegan shrimp made from a kelp blend. There are ramen packs coming that have kelp-based noodles in them. 
Give Me Snacks is a top-selling organic seaweed brand and they do all different kind of snack things. People are definitely going to be adding it to their smoothies. I'm sure that you'll see it in juices. It's really going to come up in every sector of food. And why? What is the benefit with kelp? I understand cauliflower is like a substitute for carbs, but what is kelp? So... One of the huge reasons kelp is so popular is because it's really sustainable. The crops require no irrigation or fertilizers. So growing sea greens and consuming them is a very sustainable way of getting a ton of the benefits. So they are incredibly high in antioxidants. They are iron rich and they're really, really nutrient dense. So it's really a good way to get the benefits of other types of leafy greens, but in a very sustainable way. Got it. What about milks. Are we done with milks? Are we going to see more milks? I honestly don't think we're ever going to be done with milks. We're done with milks from a trends perspective because a couple of years ago, I think it was maybe last year, we were like, okay, so what is the next milk? And there were just so many. There was pea milk. There was bean milk. There was every single type of other crop milk. And we just were kind of like, okay, so it seems like everything can be milked. We're just not going to be able to keep up with this. So I think what we'll see in the milk realm is lots of different coffee shops, particularly kind of third wave coffee shops that are really chic and trying to do their own thing and prioritize local coffee, a lot of them are making their own milk blends. So I think that is something new that we will see over the coming years. So we obviously have the huge oat milk brands that you can find in supermarkets and most cafes. I think what we will see more of is people making their own blends because something that is coming up a bit in the oat milk space is preservatives and gums and other hard-to-pronounce ingredients that are used in oat milk. And so there is this pushback where people want vegan milks. They want the same ability to not consume dairy, but they want it to be a little bit more natural and I guess free of some of these chemicals. Hmm. And that's interesting that you talk about coffee because Something I've been seeing is sort of like these substitutes for caffeine in a more natural way. We actually invested in a company called Magic Mind, which Mm. claims they are the world's first productivity drink. And I've tried this thing. So it's like matcha, which is where the caffeine comes from, but it's more like naturally occurring L-thionine, adaptogens like turmeric, which reduce inflammation, nootropics like lion's mane that claim they boost like blood flow and cognition. They make you like really clear in the brain and then like honey to make it taste a little sweet and good. And it's like this little shot you take. And I've been doing this, which is why I invested. And I was like, my focus was so on. I didn't have, you know, the need for coffee. Oh my God, I want some. Yeah, it's literally like a shot in a little bottle and you just like kind of chug it and yeah, it's sort of like creativity, energy, focus. And I was making sure it wasn't a placebo effect because I'm really yeah. <laughs> wary of these things. And I was like at a whole nother level. So are these types of things that you think will be relevant, like substitutes for caffeine? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that we have been talking about is this idea of functional beverage. And I think that 
that beverage, that shot that you just mentioned very much falls into that bracket. We really are starting to understand, I guess, as a culture more and more how everything we put in our body impacts us from food right through to beverage. And coffee seems to have a decent amount of staying power. However, I do think that People are always looking for alternatives. We've seen how popular matcha is. And the idea that you could take a shot of something that has good few ingredients in it, but is going to give that clarity without getting any coffee jitters is amazing. I'm such a fan. I think that's such a smart investment because people are really looking for their milks, their water, particularly their sparkling water and their other drinks to really perform this additional function. I think as soon as we saw adaptogens and nootropics and other cool ingredients being added to drinks, everyone got very excited. And I think that space will continue to expand. It's funny that you say milks, sparkling waters, and these sort of functional beverages, because that's basically all I drink. <laughs> Same. Like, there you go. That's where you're getting your water from the sparkling water. I know. I don't <laughs> even drink that much alcohol anymore. But speaking of which, like, how yeah. is CBD infiltrating your trend forecast list? Is that still a thing? Definitely still a thing. I think with CBD, what we're seeing a ton of is that it continues to be really strong in the beauty space. So ingestible CBD, definitely still a thing. But in terms of pictures and products that we see coming across our desks, really non-ingestible CBD added to creams, added to serums is still huge. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think CBD is now like a turmeric, a great example of an ingredient that got everyone very excited, but people still use a ton. I think, you know, also as we see legalization of THC change state to state, and eventually I'm sure there will be some changes on a federal level. I think that also the people who kind of use CBD, I guess, as their gateway drug are going to become really interested in THC. And on the topic of drugs, psychedelics will just continue to be such an interesting point of conversation in the wellness world. I think that pop culture references like Nine Perfect Strangers, I won't give any spoilers away for people who haven't seen it, but... So good. So good. And by an Australian author, so of course I love it. But the studies into psychedelics and the impact that microdosing can have on mental health just continue to get larger and larger. There's more funding going into this space. Very, very, very legit scientific-based institutions are conducting these studies now at scale. We do not think that there will be a huge change in legalization to a mainstream level in psychedelics next year, but we do think the conversation around usage of them is going to continue to be a really hot topic in the wellness world. I'm so glad you brought that up. My husband and I started a foundation called Sunrise in 2015, whose whole goal was to invest in basic science to find the cure for depression. Amazing. I use depression as like a spectrum of everything in the mental health category, since there's a bunch of different types. And the science basically led us to psychedelic research through Johns Hopkins University, which yep. has been one of the biggest. Very legit. Like very legit. Mm -hmm. 
and ketamine therapy, which is now FDA approved. And for anyone listening, there's a site called Mind Bloom that is really interesting that lets you legally do ketamine therapy from the comfort of your own home. One session can prevent depression or be as strong as an antidepressant for multiple months. Everyone's different. I'm not a scientist. I'm not giving you doctoral advice, but like I've seen this happen to so many of my friends, whether it's through microdosing or ketamine. It's so stigmatized. I feel awkward even talking about it right now on this podcast, but I've been investing in the space and seeing the results for many years now. And it's so effective. And I am so excited for the day when it's not stigmatized. And sure, people can use this recreationally and take it way out of control. But if you're doing it legally with a therapist and the dosing is correct, it's really a breakthrough for mental health. So totally, I love that you're forecasting that. Yeah, I think good on you. I think it's such an important space and so many incredibly smart people are spending time studying this space because mental health has long been something that's just been so stigmatized. I think there's still stigma around SSRIs and it's like when something's proven to be safe and proven to be effective for people at scale, why would we ever not want people to have access to that? You know, I think if someone was like, hey, there's this new thing or thing we've been studying that has a really, really efficacious in terms of treating cancer, people would be stoked and I think really embrace it. And I hope that in the future, to your point, that we're able to have that same open mind when it comes to various different ways that people can treat mental health conditions. Yeah, love that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's switch to the home. Are there any trends you're seeing for our homes and how does work from home culture, I think continuing on maybe forever, impact those spaces as well? So home's really interesting. Home traditionally was never part of our wellness trends. Last year was the first time we included home because to what you were just kind of alluding to, we've all spent so much time at home. It's had a huge impact on our well-being or not, depending on how comfortable you feel in your home surroundings. We've seen the fact that everyone has been at home probably more, even if people didn't have the ability or the luxury to stay working from home, they still probably spent more time at home as well. And so we've seen at home fitness just boom in such an insane way. Really, the fitness industry has been advanced by like a decade because of a need to change to meet people's needs. But One trend that I think is super interesting in the home that is going to continue to really take hold over 2022 is this idea that kitchens are being really designed to be more sustainable. So composting is newer kitchens, but there are also products that people can buy 
to incorporate some of these philosophies into their existing kitchens. But kitchens have really been designed to support composting in a way that they don't just have to keep, you know, vegetable scraps on their counter forever. We're also seeing fridges and other technology coming to market that really helps people preserve fresh food for as long as possible and keeping things, you know, really crisp and mold-free. And I think it's really cool to also see that so many people are introducing mini vertical farms into their kitchens. So people are getting really excited about growing their own stuff. And so a lot of what we're seeing in the home are kind of silver lining elements to this whole pandemic madness. You know, people are really investing in stress-reducing design and like never before painting their walls in colors that are soothing and make them feel good. People are really embracing air purification in their home and that's meaning that all of the big air purifying companies are offering products that at a more accessible price point. So you can buy really expensive air purification systems, but we're also now seeing models that are sub $100, which is great. So as many people as possible can have access to really clean air. Yeah, which is helpful for us in California, (laughs) not only for COVID, but for the wildfires. We have smoke and ash everywhere, which I think we're just going to deal with until we solve this climate problem. But the one thing you said that I'm very excited about is vertical farms in your kitchen. I had Zoe Deschanel on this podcast. Cool. You guys can go back and listen if you haven't listened. And she's a co-founder with her ex-husband, this company called Lettuce Grow. And it's literally like a two foot wide pot that has like all these different plant stands that go upwards and it can hold 36 plants. And it's a hydroponic garden, which means like water is constantly flowing in all the roots. And so you never have to like water it, which is amazing. And these things just grow crazy lettuces. And I've been using it this whole year, ever since that podcast with Zoe. I literally didn't even get a promo code, I don't think. I just bought it. And like, I just cut lettuce when I want to make a salad. And it's so cool. So cool. It's like, I love my food so much more and it tastes so much better. But what I wanted to ask you was, what is this refrigerator thing you mentioned that keeps your food fresher longer? So these fridges are called Fresh by Design. They're from Bosch and it's designed to keep food fresh up to three times longer than regular fridges. So they are available now. And what we heard from Bosch is that they are seeing more and more inquiries about these fridges and they are calling them the most advanced fridge and they are designed completely to prioritize freshness. Oh, I'm looking at the website as you're talking. So best in class freshness system. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it says it automatically balances temperature and humidity levels based on the food setting. So you can put your produce or meats in and pre-program the optimal environment. Exactly. Within the fridge. That's cool. And then there's air filters, multi-air flow. Cool. Okay. Well, this is great because I'm actually going to be renovating my kitchen soon. So that was kind of a personal question. Yeah, I'll send you the whole trend because there were so many different 
cool things mentioned, the mushroom grow kit. So it's the same idea as the lettuces, but with mushrooms, you can just chop off your mushroom at the root. (laughs) There's so many cool things. I just think that's amazing that someone wants just to grow mushrooms. Like if they just buy that (laughs) as a standalone product. Yeah. My parents actually do it. Their parents would like buy that? No, they have one. So my brother gave it to my parents as a gift because he knows that they love to grow things and they use it. I mean, I don't feel like they only get five mushrooms at a time, which doesn't feel very scalable, but I'm sure that you can (laughs) do a better job than they're doing. Exactly. There you go. Okay. The last one I want to ask you about is fitness. On a recent episode of your podcast, you spoke about the end of the fitfluencer. So tell us more about that and what to expect from the fitness world. Yeah, fitness is really exciting because as I said before, it's just been accelerated in such a wild way. And one of the trends that I really love, and I think this ties into that idea of the fitfluencer being phased out a little bit, is the idea of digital fitness becoming really personalized. So we obviously, many of us were at home and we all did a lot of at-home fitness and we loved it. We loved that we didn't have to drive to the gym. We loved that you could do it right from your lounge room and that it was a little bit more price-friendly. However, What people have missed is that expertise of trainers in real time, fixing form and coaching them. And so now using AI technology, lots of fitness brands are releasing hardware where you can have that personal training experience at home. And I just think anything that involves AI is so futuristic and cool. And I love this trend. I think that it's really going to take at-home training to the next level. And then also speaking of at-home training, we're seeing cycling, which is just such a, I think, fundamental part of fitness for so many people, just showing its same power. Many, many people bought bikes during the pandemic and they're still using them. And so what lots of brands are doing and even brands that are not cycling endemic brands like a Peloton or a Soul Cycle, but the Obeys of the world, the Barrys of the world are launching at-home cycling programs for people who did buy bikes and maybe getting sick of the program they've been doing forever and want to try something new. So we always try and really name a modality that we think is going to be most popular for the year ahead. And honestly, for 2022, it was really hard because I think people have been trying so many different things because of the way that at-home fitness allows you to do that. But the thing that seems to be remaining on top is spinning. So everyone's still loving their spinning. They love their spinning. It's so interesting. So a few things on this point. One of my partners at Offline, my venture fund, was one of the co-founders of Tonal, which is the strength training machine that is just mounted on your wall. It doesn't take up a lot of space. And you pull the arm cord thing. I'm totally not using the right words. And it can use computer and AI technology to understand how strong you are. And so then it automatically creates a strength training workout you can do right there. And it changes all the weights with you. It has a screen. So you're walked through it kind of virtually with a trainer person. It's so cool. And that business has boomed during COVID. The other thing I was going to say is I'm like a big yoga person Mm. and I couldn't go to yoga studios And so our hack for it was that we got one of those like Facebook portal cameras Mm, specifically mm -hmm. because the camera 
follows faces like around the room. You can move and it will follow you. And so, you know, as you're doing yoga, you're going up and down and savasana and all these things. And it was really a cool way to work out with somebody digitally and sort of watch like an instructor what their moves are and make sure they can see your moves. That's a hack. But I think that what I'm seeing is also that more and more people are figuring out how to integrate that into every camera. So I'm excited for the day when like our phones just can do that. You don't need a whole separate device. Yes. But it is interesting to hear that spinning still number one because I have a Peloton and Soul Cycle bike. I use it occasionally, but maybe I'm just more of a yoga and running person. But anyway, I'm excited for all those trends. I think that's super cool. Okay. I want to know this. Are there any trends from 2021 that we need to retire? Like what should we definitely avoid next year? What's going out of style? Mm, Great question. You know, one thing that I think we need to back off a little bit, and we actually have some 2022 trends that speak to this, I love skincare as much as the next person. I love trying new beauty products, but I think that so many of us have tried so much stuff and really sensitized our skin because really in talking to dermatologists and talking to our beauty editors, everyone, skincare is like all things. It's very personal and most of us don't need to be using that much. And I think we all got excited with 15-step skincare routines and we all kind of thought that we needed to use 18 serums and a face oil and blah, 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 blah. And actually, we're seeing this return to kind of back-to-basic skincare where multi-use products are going to be really popular. So, three different things in one, but also that people are going to focus back on the things that really help them and have been proven time and time again to be really effective, like SPF, like retinol, like vitamin C. And I think that there is still so much space in the beauty industry for people to be launching cool new things and people to be experimenting. But the idea that you need to be using so many products, I think is something that we're leaving behind. I like that one. Good. Yes. Minimalism for the win. All right. Well, Kate, we like to leave our listeners with a little project or assignment every week. And you're the teacher this week. So what would you recommend our listeners try? I'm going to say that everyone should try sea greens. Try and find a product with sea greens in it. There are already some available in the market. Maybe even pair it with like five or 10 minutes of reading about the myriad ways that kelp is being used because it really blew my mind that it's being used from packaging to feeding cattle to making snacks. And I think it's just a cool thing for people to read about and learn about and try themselves. I love that. I'm not a kelp person. I have not done my sea green research. So I'm actually going to definitely take you up on that. Love it. I think it's so interesting. Where can our listeners find more about you, Well and Good, and the trend report for 2022? Yeah. So they can find me at Caitlin Elise on Instagram and well and good at I am well and good. And everyone can find our trend report at wellandgood.com. It will be right there on the website. Perfect. Love it. All right. Well, Kate, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was really great to meet you. Yes. Please add me to your well and good trend advisory committee. 100%. (laughs) Love it. Will do.
I hope everyone else out there learned a little bit today. That is our show. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a virtual high five by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your show. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit and Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Allie Ives and Allie Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjazy and Aaron Peterson. 